0: Community. For more information, please go to www.savekpfa.org.
1: And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, and 88.1 KFC up in Fresno. Also online at kpfa.org. It's 3 p.m. Stay tuned next for Jennifer Stone.
0: Happy ending. Nice and tidy. It's a rule Learned in school, get your money every Friday, happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in love. picture Drop the Shadow Out
2: of the sun. Near the beach on the southern coast of California there is a lonely bar in 1950 the name of this seaside bar is the Fisherman free? Through the years since I left that place, I have transmuted that time. I have turned a memory into a myth. I will go back to the center of the 20th century and sit in that bar. I will try to tell what happened, not just the event, but what happened. sailors, combed from the hill, friendly homosexuals, beach bums, art colony types. Fishing nets are strung out across the ceiling, filled with dusty seashells and balls of amber glass. Behind the bar hang children's verses from Winkin', Blinkin', and Nod. Now cast your nets wherever you wish. Never appeared are we all night long their nets they threw to the stars in a twinkling foam And you shall see the beautiful things as you rock in the misty sea The bartender knows I'm only 17. He mixes me Shirley Temple's because, well, my father's an old friend of his. My father is on a South Pacific island. The men on that island are finding out what radiation is all about and what the bomb can do. Before the men blow up the island, which is what they are there to do, my father is their doctor. In his letters, he writes that the men are all rock- Because there are no women on the island Only goats In the office or hut Where he treats these men He has a pin-up picture of me In my blue bathing suit Every time some guy is through With a tour of duty My father tells him to go see me And my stepmother As soon as he gets off the boat Sure enough these guys look us up to give us the great killer clam shells and sea urchins and cowry shells my father always sends. I write to my father telling him to take the picture off the wall. He thinks it's all pretty damn funny. One of these guys nearly drowns me after chasing me miles down the beach. And my father thinks it's all a big joke. I write and tell him... No tomato is an island. I tell him I am a real virgin. Thrice molested, but unpossessed. My stepmother never asks any questions. She isn't even old enough to be my mother. We live about two miles down the beach from that seashell bar I was telling you about. Halfway between our house and the bar, there is a deep cave, a sort of retreat of mine. I can sit in there on a low rock shelf with my feet in a shallow, briny pool. I take cigarettes in there to practice. But when I blow the smoke through my nose, my nostrils get filthy. I rehearse for plays in there. I make up answers... to all the questions. When my father comes home on leave for a week, he says... I am getting... very affected. He doesn't say by what. I hang around the local theater. Wear a lot of makeup. I get a small... summer salary in the stock company just for selling tickets and then I get a few parts here and there walk-ons mostly one bit part in the cave dwellers which the Hollywood reporter calls a touching cameo when my father sees me in that atmosphere he warns me the lesbians will get me if I don't watch out or the queers won't or something like that in the cave I practice being who I am I am not very sure of myself. Once a boy at school asked me to sit in his car and smoke during lunchtime. I made some excuse, which was pretty dumb since he was only a high school boy. What the hell was he going to do to me? I sit in that cave every day. I make up replies for all the imaginary encounters of my life. Near the entrance to the cave, there is a dead, walrus she's been there for several summer weeks she's beginning to smell I do not go to the cave for a time because I can see her lying there falling apart, flies buzzing all over her she had the slender tusks of a female but after a few days the ivory is taken by beach combers or shell collectors or kids above her head There is a dead sandpiper. It is a pectoral sandpiper known as the walrus bird. I don't know why. This sandpiper is half hidden in seaweed. Her eyes are frozen open. The walrus has been there a lot longer and has decomposed until her eyes are empty. She is above the tideline. I wonder why someone doesn't take her away. One day, something happens backstage at the theater. Gladys George is appearing in Born Yesterday... The critics are saying she's a little long in the tooth for the role, but I think she's terrific. I'll always remember her in that movie, The Roaring Twenties, holding Jimmy Cagney's head up, saying how he used to be a big shot before they shot him. She keeps a bottle of gin on her dressing table next to a giant bottle of Chanel Number no. 5. She's nervous about the show. Anyway, this photographer who works at the theater taking publicity pictures asked me if I want to do some photographic modeling. I finally understand. He means nude. Well, I have a script ready for that one. I'm 18, I tell him, and my legal guardian will have no objections and isn't everyone allowed to express herself? And of course, bodies are just like trees or sand or anything else. I can tell he is impressed with my artistic objectivity. My best friend in high school has done a half nude in the annual art festival's living pictures. Liberty leading the people by Delacroix. That was in front of a live audience of thousands. I want to find out a few things. The day I'm due at the photographer's, I go to the Fisherman Three for a send-off. I have two Shirley Temples and stare out the window at the static sea. Only three people in the bar. It's dark in there in the daytime. At night, there are red and amber lights inside great seashells and ship's lanterns on the tables... The bar itself is covered with thick, unbreakable glass over a fish tank. That way the drunks can make faces at the fishes. There is a slot for coins. Little chests of toy treasure rest in the white sand. At the end of the bar, the fish tank swells into a great... A round table or fish bowl with bar stools all around it. This afternoon, there are no lights on under the water. And the fish aren't moving. I look into the tank, eye to eye with primal perception. I see the fish, but do the fish see me? I look out to see through the glass window of the bar out there in the kelp beds. I see a kind of mermaid swimming waist high in the foam offshore right on the crest of the wave. It's me, of course, waving and calling to an unheeding audience on the beach, hiding my scaly, shimmering tail below the surface. So what if nobody hears me? I can swim. When I get to the photographer's studio, it's wide open, full of sunlight. It's all wrong. I had imagined myself in a dark room, in a bathrobe, behind a screen, until my cue came to step before the artificial lights. They tell me to undress in the bathroom through the door. I can hear the photographer telling his assistant he thinks, I'm too thin. The assistant is the one who hired me and I'm furious. I rub the marks left by my brassiere and my Mexican silver moon belt. I even comb my pubic hair into a nice fluff because it's matted down by my elastic panty girdle. No man... ...has ever seen me naked except when I was a kid. Oh, maybe I should have tried sex first. Maybe that's the best way to find out. I sit down on the toilet, the lid's cold and my nipples contract. In the mirror, my breasts look like fried eggs. There's a deep dimple on my buttock left by a vaccination mark. My father didn't want to give me a visible scar. My legs and armpits are closely shaved. There are tiny nicks on my skin and a slight red rash under one arm. I wait in front of the mirror until the narcissistic pleasure comes. The sense of power that always floods me when I stare at my body. I raise my arms high above my head and decide I am a priestess or a goddess, and all men must worship me. As I step out of the bathroom, the daylight makes me cringe. I sit down quickly. The photographer is surprised and pleased and says, Oh, yes, I'm very young, just right for the pictures he wants. Then he looks at my face and says, There's much too much makeup and my hair's too stiff. Will I please get in the shower? and wash off that mask and towel dry my hair. In the shower, I realize that he has recognized I am a goddess, all right, but he's treating me as if I were a child anyway. The work is very hard. I hadn't thought of that. In a few minutes, I forget about being naked and alone with two men. I have to pose holding a heavy gold brocade costume in front of me looking at myself in the mirror while they photograph me from behind. They put ornate combs in my hair and give me velvet mules to show off my legs which are pretty terrific I've got to admit. My back is lined up against geometric forms antique maps. It gets hotter and hotter under the lights. I have to sit down and drink coffee. They set up again and again. They talk about cocktail and perspective, just as if I weren't there. Finally, I get dizzy, so they set up shots of me lying on a tapestry covered with unicorns and then lying down on a divan covered with all sorts of props, rugs, cats, embroidered pillows. The assistant is very pleased with himself. He says, I am still an adolescent, a nymph. Laughing, he sets up a shot of me lying covered with little green apples. Bits of my breast showing. My head turned away towards my shoulder. He shows me a small snake. Tells me it's drugged, it's quite limp. He slides it in among the apples and takes several shots very quickly. Finally, in the last setup, my nipples are pale and pink against mauve oriental rugs. And they place the sculptured bust of an old Roman senator, cold and gray, between my breasts. Well, after the senator, I tell him it's getting dark. I'm expected home. The assistant seems to remember I'm a minor and a high school senior and he offers to drive me. I tell him, I have a ride, thanks. They ask if I can work again sometime and I tell them I'll consider it. I get out the door, down the stairs and across the street to a stone bench. I sit and shudder for a while. So what did I learn? I already know I'm not a leper or deformed or anything. Am I a form like the furniture? Am I the frame or the picture? I don't know what I think about it, but I know what I feel. I feel like a dope. The more I think about it, the more I just feel like a dope. I decide I need a drink. I walk down to the Fisherman Tree. I go straight to the bathroom and put my face back on. Pancake powder, lipstick outlined with a brush, eyeshadow, eyebrow pencil, eyeliner, mascara, and even a black beauty mark. A history teacher once told me patches or... Beauty marks were invented to cover the running sores of venereal disease. So it makes me feel decadent as hell to put a black mole on my cheekbone. With the careful makeup job, the messy hair will seem deliberate. sit on a bar stool in the amber tank behind the bar the transparent golden piranha fish circle and circle looking first at me and then into the mirror seeing through themselves shimmering liquid gems dissolving and convealing each time they turn melting like glass until all I see is their eyes. A boy from the theater comes in, tells me I look svelte. I tell him he's a good actor. (laughs) The jukebox plays Sam's song. The boy gives me his martini. Sailors come into the bar and it begins to get dark outside. The boy joins another young man at the round table and they hold hands and watch the fish. Somebody plays the Tennessee waltz and gives me the rest of his Singapore sling. The bartender gives me a cold eye and brings me another ginger ale. I move my glass in circles looking at the shimmering fish swimming under the bar With my brain cells gently simmering in alcohol, my primal perception returns. I can see that flowing green plants grow around empty shells and housekeeper snails eat fish feces in this artificial tank. I recognize a royal blue silver fish darting through a sea anemone. Easing the tiny white windflower, asking her to smoke cigarettes in his car during lunch hour, no doubt. He pauses a quick moment within the short tendrils and then escapes with a lazy whip of his tail. The sucking mouth of the sea anemone closes, choked with sand. A rather nicer sailor gives me some bourbon, and I remember the deep clefts in the rocks beyond the tide pools. I remember dark winter mornings when I saw the great crimson sea anemones with their mouths full of minnows and even larger fish, drinking them alive. The sailor asked me to go for a walk on the beach. He's given me three of his verbons and... I haven't had dinner yet. Outside, the beach fires are warm and lonely... Wavering there at the tide's edge, it occurs to me that if I go for a swim, I will either drown the fall fathom five or sober up. The sailor thinks I'm talking to him, so he keeps answering. I begin to hear the walrus bells, the unearthly clear sounds a wounded walrus makes to warn the herd. I've only heard it once before. It's a sound like church bells coming from beneath the sea. I'm too drunk to stand, so I sit down to watch the waves creep into the little holes of children's sandcastles, foaming gently and receding, washing away the outlines. Things are so symbolic when you're drunk. I'm sitting there imagining that the sea can cry for me the sailor gets hold of me from behind he seems as tense as those rock happy types my father thought were such a royal laugh I say hey hey I'm only 17 I'm a minor Uh, I'm having my period he tells me he doesn't mind being caught red-handed all of a sudden I'm slapping him in the face as hard as I can I hit him again but he only laughs. We fall together on the sand and I can feel him getting hard against my thigh. That ritual of the pushing and probing begins. I lay quiet just for a moment to be sure how drunk I am. When he reaches to open his pants, I twist out from under him, squirming wildly, cringing on the sand soundlessly. I look at him and then I hiss like a snake. He seems confused, so I run past him, crying and swearing, floundering in the deep sand at first, and then reaching the hard, wet shoreline. Although I'm sure he has not come after me, I keep on running. I feel my head begin to clear. I take off my sandals and run on in a very straight line so the waves catch my ankles in rhythm. When I first begin to see the walrus, she's only an outline on the sand. I run to her. I climb to my shelf among the rocks and hold my side until I can breathe again. And then I smell the rotting seaweed, a sharp iodine odor. It's too dark to see the walrus clearly... ...but her skin shimmers in the moonlight... ...glowing with a steel gray light. I move slowly now and begin to drag a pile of kelp... ...over the body. Then I heap more sand and more sand on top... Pouring the silver and white grains into the holes that were her eyes. When I finish, her grave is smooth and round and white. I know the tide does not reach this place in summer. But I cannot find the walrus bird. The dead sandpiper
0: and in my shoes and from Havana calling me to Divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadow.
1: Thank you, Jennifer Stone, for that wonderful story. And this is Prewell and Franklin here at the controls, just reminding you that tonight, September seventh, two thousand ten, seven to nine PM, you can meet the candidates for the local station board. That'll be hosted by Diablo Valley students for Democratic Society. That's tonight, September seventh, seven to nine PM at the Round Table Pizza. 2960 Treat Boulevard in Concord. So all you Concord people, or people out of the edges of KPFA, um, come on out and meet the candidates for the local station board. And don't forget, on um, the deadline to vote is September 30th. So that's tonight, 7 to 9 p.m. 2960 Treat Boulevard, Concord, California. Also, don't forget to attend uh, Power to the People this weekend. That'll be Saturday, September 11th, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Speedway Meadows, Golden Gate Park. And uh, You can go to PowerToPeaceful.org for more details. And we're also going to do a special um, highlight rebroadcast Sunday, September 12th, 1 to 5 p.m. So that's Power to the Peaceful this Saturday, Golden Gate Fields, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. That's Speedway Meadows, Golden Gate Fields. Also a rebroadcast of the highlights Sunday, 1 to 5 p.m. Stay tuned after this message for free speech radio news. The following candidate statements belong to the author of the statement only. I'm Susie
2: Goldmacher, lesbian, feminist, activist, and retired member of the California Nurses Association, running on the Save the KPFA slate. I'd like to talk to the 27,000 of you who did not vote in last year's local station board election. We need you to support our slate so that we can maintain high-quality progressive radio on the air in this hard economic environment. We must all work together to save our station. So vote for me, Susie Goldmacher.
1: My name is Aaron Ahrens. I have been active in struggles against capitalism and its manifestations, including imperialism, Zionism, and white supremacy, since 1956. I have been involved in struggles against the Democratic Party hijackers of Pacifica and KPFA for about 20 years. I am running for the LSB, as I have several times before, to work for KPFA that is non-sectarian but uncompromisingly anti-capitalist and anti-imperialist. If you agree with that perspective, please vote for Aaron